This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for scientific and professional women who want to restore confidence, make meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to them. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. Today on the Women in STEM Career and Confidence podcast, I interview one of my clients, Dr. Lucy Woods. She joins us from Singapore, where she recently started a new role at Brooker as Commercial Director of APAC. Lucy has always been very intentional in her career design. Even at A-level, she had the forethought to pick complementary subjects in science rather than going for a full grouping of the sciences, like I did. Completing her PhD was a strategic decision to progress her industrial rather than academic career. However, being intentional in our careers doesn't always mean that everything works out completely smoothly. So during this episode, Lucy talks about the importance of learning self-awareness as a way to restore confidence after being unsuccessful in an internal promotion, using your career values to actively make choices in your career and for Lucy, some of those choices hinged around adventure. She also highlights how understanding her natural talents aided her to build a complementary team and that we're not alone in our careers. We benefit from a wide range of support, including coaches, managers, colleagues, friends, and family. I'm so excited for you to meet Lucy. So let's dig in. So welcome to the show, Lucy. It's so great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And tell everybody um, a little bit about who you are and where you're joining from today. Okay, so my name's Lucy Woods. Uh, I'm joining today from, from Singapore. So I've just moved out here just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I've moved out here as part of a new job that I have. So I've been working for a company called Broker for the last eight years. And um, I've traveled quite a lot. I've moved around to different countries. And now with this latest job, I'm here in Singapore. Wonderful. And it's a really exciting move for you as well. And I love all of your travel stories because I could talk to you about all of your travels instead of coaching you. Um, <laughs> if I had the opportunity to do so. So, yeah, story. <laughs> an, ex- an exciting move to Singapore, but let's backtrack all the way back to the beginning. So I'd like to know a little bit more about how you got into science in the first place. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I'd always loved chemistry um, uh, from school and from when I was, when I was at college. Um, so I always found it really important that I studied a scientific subject and the one that I, w- I was best at and that I enjoyed the most was always chemistry. So I decided um, that that was what I wanted to study at university and uh, spent a bit of time deciding on what course I wanted to do. Ended up at the University of Leeds um, and I studied chemistry with analytical chemistry. Um, because with analytical chemistry, I feel like there's always a kind of problem that you're trying to solve. And that was one part that I really enjoyed. Yes, a girl after my own heart. <laughs> so you'll know I'm also a chemist and I also ended up in analytical chemistry. Um, so it's it's kind of a small world as well. And so 
you did this analytical chemistry wanting to solve like meaningful problems in the world through the analysis. So what happened next after your degree? So as part of the degree, you got the opportunity to work for a company. Um, and I managed to get a placement at a pharmaceutical company, um, so GSK, which is also in the UK, down in Stevenage. And I worked there for 12 months. And this placement is kind of um, random in where which department you get assigned to. And I got assigned a department that specialized in a technique called mass spectrometry. And after that, that was kind of what I spent the year doing and what I found I really enjoyed. And since then, it's pretty much what I've pursued since my degree finished. I love that, kind of serendipitous, um, that you ended up in my spectrometry of all the different techniques. It was pure chance, right? It was just the placement that I got assigned. I found I really enjoyed it. I thought I was good at it. And so after that, I started looking for how I could use that to, as kind of to jumpstart my career. Yeah, so tell me about that, because I know you um, have moved beyond academia. Did you do some academic stuff before you made the switch? Um, actually, I always wanted to work in industry. So what I noticed when I was at GSK is that more than half the people that I was working with, they had a PhD so that they could accelerate on to higher levels of, of seniority. But um, I decided to do the PhD mainly because of that, to use it as a platform um, to, to start off my career. But my intention was never really to stay in academia. It was to get the PhD as the qualification so that then I could go on and I could pursue different industrial routes. Yeah, I love the intentionality behind that because sometimes we can just get stuck in the, well, this is the next thing that you do after the degree and the master's, do a PhD, and then it just kind of keeps going and going until the point where it doesn't go anymore. Right. And then people go, what do I do now? Do I do another postdoc? Do I keep going or do I actually like do something differently? So I really yeah. like that you were super clear and intentional, get what you need, and then you got mm -hmm. out. So mm -hmm. did you move straight to Brooker after that PhD? No, I actually um, decided to pursue a slightly different career at the time, which was looking at patent law. So after my PhD, I did a placement looking at intellectual property and I was an intern at a, um, at a firm in Leeds. And I, I actually, I really did love um, the IP aspect. I loved analyzing patents, always seeing the latest inventions. And from there, I got a job working in-house as a patent searcher. And that was what I thought was gonna be my career path. Um, but I kind of neglected the, okay, I really love chemistry. I really love solving problems, but I also really love travel. And with a job as a patent attorney or in IP, quite often you're qualified in a certain region. And there's not, it's, I mean, it's a nine to five office job typically. So you don't really get that opportunity to travel. So I did that for some time and then I kind of rethought what I was gonna do. And that was when I prioritized my personal life and traveling a little bit more and ended up traveling out to Australia 
and that was when I went back into mass spectrometry um, from there. Yeah, so I, I really like the idea because I think what you're talking about there is you really understood a little bit more deeply what was important to you in the context of your life, your life values. And yep. travel became like almost number one on the list at that time of importance. Mm -hmm. Because what mm -hmm. is it that you really get from travel? I just love discovering new places, new cultures, new people. I just really get a buzz from from just being surrounded by um, by just yeah different cultures. Yeah, so it's that um, adventure discovery element of travel. And for different people, travel might mean different things as well. So for some person, it might mean freedom or for another person, it might mean something else completely. So um, it's really great that you had a reassessment of what's important to you in the context of your whole life at that time. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about the different elements of travel that you've had then and how you've woven that into your career. Um. So when I got to Australia, uh, I worked as a postdoc for a short amount of time and then I found this role as an application scientist. And what that role enables you is that you're able to travel for work. You're able to still apply the knowledge that I really enjoy from learning about chemistry, from learning about um, being really at the forefront of the field and learning about new people who are really pushing the boundaries. Uh, but you get to do that in such a way that you're you're constantly bringing your experience into it and traveling to these new places. Wonderful. And so that kind of brings us back to you've had these different experiences uh, at Rooker in Australia as a post was the postdoc for Brooker in Australia just to check. But uh, it was a, um, it was a, I was using Brooker instruments. So as a customer, basically, then I got to know the Brooker team and then moved um, to, the, to my first position at Brooker as the application scientist. Got it. Got it. And then you've had a series of moves very quickly, actually, in your career. So you've kind of, as you said, leveraged your PhD and moved really quickly in Brooker. So can you tell people a little bit more about what moves you made and what was the decision making process behind each of those moves? Yeah, so I, I really loved living in Australia and we had a really great team there. Um, I was always kind of thinking what the next step would be in terms of my career. And I decided that um, one of the, the ways that I could advance is to really be at the, at the heart of, of the research and development. Um, at Brooker and most of the R&D is done in Germany and so a position um, was advertised which was for a product manager and it was for a product manager um, to cover one of their product lines and at first I kind of thought well that's a really interesting role but I'm not sure if that's right for me because I haven't been in that um in that type of position before managing a product i've got more experience as an application scientist but i looked at it a bit more deeply and i uh, had a couple of really supportive team members and customers in australia who basically told me we think you fit this role really well and 
and you should go for it. Yeah, it's a big lifestyle change moving from Australia to Germany, but we think you'll be really successful there. So I applied and then ended up moving to Germany. And so, yes, you moved to Germany and obviously that may not be your first language. So how did you go with um, working in an environment where you were having to, did you know any German before you moved there? So actually uh, the A-levels that I studied um, were chemistry, business studies, German and maths. So, oh, wow. so well done. <laughs> um, I guess 16-year-old you for picking the right things. Absolutely. So I made a really good choice there. I am not strong at languages, so languages are not my strong point. It's kind of ironic because in my family, my family are really good at, at languages. So my sister is a German teacher. Oh, wow. and my brother is German at university. But for me, it was I was never really that good at it. So I had the foundations, but was I really lacked the confidence to be able to speak um, the language well. And I preferred to uh, like reading German. I'm OK with but communicating uh, in spoken German, I'm not too great at. Yes, and I suspect that you you are head and shoulders above anything I could ever achieve in any other language. And um, so, first of all, well done for even like going in and exploring that as you know a part of your career because I think it's so brave to move countries and to immerse yourself in a new culture and try to. Uh, communicate as best you can in those mm -hmm. roles as well so how long did you stay in Germany for? I was, I was there for three years for three ah. years I was there. I mean it really helped I had amazing colleagues who really supported me and uh, and friends as well some I made some brilliant friends uh, when I was in Germany and um, but also the job right the job was really really stimulating so um we had a series of product launches when I was there and it was quite a big deal for the company because it was one of their major launches and that I was a part of that and could help as part of that team. Then it, it just, it made me really uh, like inspired me to stay in Germany and to keep going despite it, it could be challenging at times. Yeah. And I'm, also kind of backtracking and reflecting on the A-level choices that you made, because even back then you have business in there, a language like there's almost like, um, tell me a little bit more about that choice. Because typically what I see is when somebody picks a science, they pick sciences that go around them or supporting things like maths, like you did do as well. But there tends to be a grouping of just that kind of cluster. Whereas you didn't do that. So even back then, what were you thinking? Um, uh, well, chemistry was one of my favorite subjects, but the second favorite was, was definitely business studies. I always, so I, I was quite lucky because we had an option before A-level that we could study business studies. And I took that as an option really enjoyed it and knew that at A-levels I, I wanted to take business studies as an option so that again I could kind of see that would help me later on in, in my life in my career and that I would understand a bit more about some of the business terminology and the ways in which different companies work. Um, I kind of 
I guess I wanted complementary subjects because a lot of them are quite complementary. And uh, I think it was always instilled um, in me as well, in my family, that there's a lot of importance in languages. So a lot of people in my family speak languages very well. And so I really wanted to try very hard to, uh, to add that to the subjects I was studying because I could see that that would be really beneficial as well. Yeah, just such an interesting variety um, and something to ponder, actually, as to um, how to have more complementary elements of what we are learning. Because I love now um, in my own business, I, I'm almost as interested in business as I am in improving techniques in coaching as well. It's like such an interesting topic in and of itself. Um, okay, so you were in Germany. You had three years. Mm-hmm. What happened next? Um, so I was offered a new role. So I was promoted. Uh, the company wanted to focus on setting up a new business unit. And as part of setting up that business unit, it, it would mean that I moved to the US to be based out of the headquarters there. So I was pretty excited, new move, new challenge. Uh, but unfortunately, that was in February 2020. So that move never ended up happening because, of course, pa um, the pandemic and COVID came along and I couldn't enter the US uh, on my visa. So instead, the company let me do the new role, but they let me do it from the UK. As it was a global role, setting up this new business unit. So I moved back to the UK, which was nice. I was close to my friends and my family when everyone was in lockdown. And I could still do the new position, but from the UK. Yeah, so a shame that you didn't get to experience the travel that you were looking for. But um, I guess it worked out in terms of being close to family during a time that we were very isolated. No, I was really grateful that I could be back in the UK for those few years. Yeah, yeah. Good. So that kind of brings us right full circle to when we first started working together as well. Mm -hmm. so tell people a little bit about what was going on for you like why did you want to do some coaching at that mm -hmm. moment in your career so I I kind of seen you for a while on on LinkedIn like I know you're very proactive you're always posting uh kind of really positive stories about people's careers so I, I followed you for a couple of, of months I think it was before in uh, January uh 2022 so January last year I started looking and thinking okay well what am I going to do next because I've been in the UK by that point for um for two years uh, I hadn't managed to move over to Boston for the new role and I was kind of looking and thinking about what what was next for me now a role had come up at work that I was quite interested in and um had applied for that and unfortunately it was not, um, I didn't get that role. So I was kind of a bit disheartened trying to think what was next and thought that if I had a careers coach, you could kind of help me think about what the next direction could be, where my strengths lied and just start to scope out a bit more about the five year uh, career progression rather than just thinking about the next year or two. And I think that's really important because often we get caught up 
in getting the right next step rather than thinking what's my long-term trajectory and then just mm. moving to the next thing without placing so much weight and importance on it being the right thing rather than just something that's more aligned than the last and then keep growing and developing within those roles and keep moving towards that longer term vision. So with the coaching, what did you feel was your biggest insight or the tool that helped you the most with that? And I think you really helped to develop with the two main things. One was confidence. Like I'd had a bit of a setback applying for this role that my confidence was a little lower than I'd like it to be. Um, but then also you really increase self-awareness. So you introduce these different tools, like with uh, talent dynamics. And my favorite is uh, with these with these power types. So with the, the queen and the warrior's power type that you can kind of understand how you're feeling and why you're making the decisions that you are. So I think this self-awareness really helps you to understand what you're doing in the moment versus what you want to be doing um, for if you look like a, a longer timeline. Yeah, so for those people who are listening in, but they don't know what a power type is, so often we can get caught up in these kind of um, ways of behaving that we, one, sometimes are not even aware that we're doing, but two, can have us in situations where we would rather be handling them in a different way. So I often talk about superwoman as an archetype, which on the surface, you know, superwoman, like underpants on the outside, flies in, spins all the plates, gets all the things done. But it is a very fear-based uh, way of being in the world. And it and it, there's a lot of fear that drives the actions and the behaviors that often don't get the results that we're looking for. So where superwoman or other archetypes might have showed up in the past and you didn't get the response you were looking for, we can use these power types instead to step in to get the result that you want. So we often talk about the queen power type with a lot of my clients. It can be a challenge to speak up effectively or really be heard in meetings. So being able to activate the queen is a really important state to bring into work, particularly in a leadership capacity, because we can sort of move through leadership, rolling our sleeves up, leading from the front, getting stuff done with everybody else but actually at some point you're gonna have to switch into the queen power type to hold the space to allow other people to do the doing so how have you found that transition in using your queen in that capacity I think it just goes back to the self-awareness so like I think when we started you kept saying I was in warrior mode and I can completely see that yeah I spent a lot of time in warrior mode so just kind of reframing and I loved as well um the triggers that you have like I, I'm a big fan of music and I love how um you kind of encourage that if you want to be in this queen power type if you have an important meeting that you want to go into make sure that you're in the right frame of mind that you have the these tracks that kind of um just remind you what it feels like to be in the queen power type and then you you can just sort of kind of reframe a little bit easier yes and music is very subjective so I always ask my clients to find their own piece of music that helps elicit that kind of state within you 
And often we don't think about how we're showing up to meetings. We just kind of show up and then go, oh, I feel like this. So being really intentional about how you're showing up is mm-hmm. does make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And with that awareness, also no behavioral change can happen without awareness first. So being mm-hmm. able to be aware of what we're currently doing paves the way to doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And is there anything else in terms of tools that you found really helpful? Um, I mean, we've covered quite a lot, right? So um, I also liked the quizzes that we did uh, where you have the different uh, work personality types so you can understand how you can work to your strengths, but also that if you can build a team around you that you uh, have complementary personality types and complementary strengths to, then essentially you build a really strong team. And that was what the job I had before this one was doing. So that was building this new business unit. I did a lot of hiring. I got a lot of new people on board. And one of the things that I was very uh, aware of is making sure that we we had all these people who could work together as a team. And that's one thing that's really important to me, this aspect of teamwork, being able to really support each other and work together and um, all have our own individual personalities and strengths. So those tools that you introduced were also really beneficial. Yeah, so here we're talking about the talent dynamics profile. And in particular, your profile has this leadership quality of being the real anchor of the team Mm -hmm. and and bringing, basically being able to see what's missing and bringing the right people together and managing all those different personalities. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a real natural strength and talent of yours as well. So how did you, so once you had built this awareness that increased your confidence and understood more what your leadership qualities were, how did you use those tools to make the decision about Singapore? Actually, I can't remember what it was called, but one of the, on one of our sessions, you kind of, you got me to kind of, um, close my eyes and kind of just become more self-aware and you asked me to envision where you thought I would be in in five years time and I'm not I'm not really that great at kind of closing my eyes and picturing the future but I did it because you were really encouraging me that it's something that that might help me and I envisaged a city because I love being in the city I love being around people and I love being in busy places and I envisaged a city which had amazing transport links and it was a really clean city. And it just makes me laugh because now I look around in Singapore and I'm like, well, I think I kind of envisaged being here even without realizing it. So when this job opportunity came up and they were like, well, you would have to move to Singapore for it. I was like, well, I pretty much already manifested it with Hannah. So no problem. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's move on to the next challenge. That's so funny. Just before we came on, you were giving me a a tour outside the window. And when you say transport links, there's actually the formula, a bit of Formula One track. (laughs) So I think that's, it's really, really interesting. And I know that in terms of your talent dynamics profile, it is a challenge to tap into visualizing the future. And often yeah. for some people, it's it's really easy and they think in pictures. 
but for other people they might think in words or think in feelings so the sheer fact that you went with that exercise and had a go and got something out of it um mm-hmm. was was really great because it is stepping out of your comfort zone and trying new things and doing things differently in coaching to mm-hmm. see what you uncover so I yep. love that you've manifested this new this new role as well yeah I mean it all just fits really well so we were um at work we were there was a lot of movement and there was talk of this new division being created and I I just kind of kept looking at it and thinking this is really new and exciting and I'd really like to be a part of it but I, I couldn't quite picture how and where I could be a part of it so uh as I started speaking with people and and um seeing how it was developing and where I could maybe fit in then I just I feel like it all kind of fell into place I had the location already in my mind and then the new role is something that I've been wanting to do so now I'm a commercial director so have kind of gone through almost all of the the roles um the senior roles at Brooker from app scientist to product management to business unit manager now to commercial director so it really it did all just fall into place and am I right in thinking you're the youngest commercial director ever in Brooker or have I made that up I'm not sure about ever but I'm definitely one of the youngest yes it was uh yeah there's so yeah I'm I'm one of the younger ones sat around the table for sure yeah so you I feel like even from the very start you have been really intentional about A-level choices intentional about doing a PhD for a purpose intentional about the moves that you made in order to um, be able to travel and experience different cultures so you already had that intentionality as I call it uh, intentional Mm -hmm. careers but you also recognize that when your confidence has taken a knock Mm-hmm. it does affect your ability to I guess step up and take the next step and make longer term choices and decisions so um I think it's really great that you reached out for support at that moment in time Absolutely. Um, the it other was thing like- I want to ask you is so everything it sounds on paper like everything went really well and there was just this one little blip in terms of confidence um mm-hmm. But I want you to think about the timeline of your whole life. Mm -hmm. I want you to go back to a moment in time that was maybe challenging for you. And I want you to reflect upon that and whisper a piece of advice in your ear. Or you're going to tell us what that advice would have been at that moment in time. Where would you go back to and what would you say to yourself? You know, and maybe I would maybe go back to uh, when I took that job. with the for the intellectual property and I kind of enjoyed it but I just felt like something wasn't completely right and this wasn't what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life and I think one of the reasons that I took that job is well because I I did enjoy it but also because you kind of feel like when these roles come come around that um, you have to take every opportunity that you're given and I think now looking back, I would tell my uh, myself to to look at it and really make sure that everything fits into place. So, I mean, what I've learned is there are always job opportunities. There's, there are always new things that come and you have to make sure that you make the best decision for yourself 
at that time, but don't rush into things. Don't take something just because it's the first thing that comes along, which is kind of what I felt like I did with the uh, IP role. Whereas mm. now, no, there's a whole breadth and wealth of, of jobs and careers out there. And you have to look for the one that you feel right in and the one that makes you um, the happiest. Because at the end of the day, like you have to be be happy with your work and with your job. In some ways, the ability to turn down opportunities yep. is a really important skill to have to know what is right for you and what isn't right for you. And to mm-hmm. be okay with the fact that, you know, you may have to wait and the another opportunity will always come because I think we can get into that scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and that, I guess, forces us to take decisions that we perhaps don't want to take so just knowing that there are unlimited opportunities available to us and keeping in that mindset really helps when you're making decisions and choices so I love that piece of advice and I also want to ask you if somebody was about to start working with me Mm -hmm. piece of advice would you give them about a coaching journey I would tell them to keep an open mind going into the sessions because you're gonna get the most out of the sessions if you really go in and kind of give it your all so that you are really open that you really discuss the things which are happening and how you feel and even if that's not in your comfort zone you just or if one of the tools that you're guiding someone through if it's not something that you've used before and you don't feel comfortable with it just give it a go give it a go and really kind of try and open yourself up because you never know what you're going to learn from that and what you're going to take home from it. Yes, that makes me so happy. And (laughs) it is a skill in order of itself to stay open, even when you're feeling a little bit like your defenses want to come down. So keep Mm -hmm. opening up is uh, the way I sign off all of my coffee and notes um, (laughs) blogs. I love them when they come through in the week and it's kind of your insights to the week. It's just really inspiring. I, by the way, I also loved about your training uh, that you have the one-to-ones, but you also have the group training because I find it really beneficial just seeing that the you're in a group with other people who are feeling something very similar to what you are. And it just really makes you feel that you're not alone. And especially coming out of the pandemic and everything where everyone's been in lockdown and have been quite isolated. That's a really nice touch that you you build a community of people who are all aiming towards the same goal. For sure. I know that you were an inspirational member of that particular group of the Career Design Mastermind. Everyone was so happy when you got your um, promotion into commercial director. So... There's a lot of support for you out there as well, Lucy. I hope so. That's really nice. Coming back to um, what you said about one piece of advice. Mm -hmm. um, A second thing that I think is really important as well is that a lot of the times when you go into work and like you mentioned that I'm kind of sometimes the youngest one around the table and sometimes you kind of feel pressured to behave in a certain way or to kind of not show your personality and I think it's really important as you progress through your career that you really do show who you are and show your personality and show what's important to you because I think that that will help a lot of people get to know you and trust you and will also help you get ahead as well. 
thank you for that piece of advice as well. And I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of people out there who feel that they have to conform and be like the other people in the room. But actually, mm -hmm. it's the diversity of who we are that makes the biggest difference when it comes to creativity and solution finding. Um, so you being yourself is the most helpful thing that you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And just as a final thing to make sure that I've accurately represented your career and your experience, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you really wanted to mention today? I think the only other thing is to kind of say thank you to all of those around me because when you hear these podcasts you kind of hear me talking about my journey but you don't always see how much support I've had from everyone around me from my friends from my family from my colleagues both former and current um because really, yes, it's my journey, but I'm, I'm never doing it on my own. So people always ask me when I move, oh, but are you moving here on your own? Are you going here on your own? And the answer is, well, yes, but I'm never actually on my own. I'm always surrounded by a group of these really supportive people. And I think it's really important to acknowledge them and um, to show that they are a part of my journey too. Yes, absolutely. We are never this island in isolation. <laughs> Yeah, I love that, Lucy. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, career pathway, which is so interesting, and Thank your you. coaching journey. And I'm wishing you all the very best in Singapore because it just looks amazing through the window. So enjoy the adventures and enjoy very, this time. Right yeah, it's very hot right now, but hopefully I get used to the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> the temperature is an adventure for you. <laughs> Thank you again, Lucy. No worries. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks for everything. You've been awesome. Thank you for listening to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. To get further support in your journey, join me in Breakthrough Unleashed on Facebook.